This week we are back to new comics, which are back. I'm gonna read that. <laughs> Just keep that one. the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Todd A. Dale Trask. Good morning. Good morning. If our pre-show banter is anything to be uh, <laughs> to, to judge this on, we are we may go off the rails quickly. But... Oh, I hope so. We it, <laughs> none of that pre-show banter was relevant at all, so I won't even I won't even give it a name check. But it's you know it's a good it's we're here it's a lovely Sunday morning, Todd. Let's just say that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited that we're back with uh, just new comics, just that feeling of like, hey, we bought some single issues. We're going to talk about it. Um, you know, I think I think we told everyone last week we we're going to talk about these two image titles, Decorum and Mercy. And so it's pretty cool. But I wanted to start off because I texted you this week <laughs> with what I thought was a controversial opinion. And you backed me up on it 100 percent. And yep. I so here here it is. Listeners of this podcast will know you and I are in agreement on this. <laughs> yes, we are. Temple of Doom is the worst Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yes, it is. And that's even considering I, mean, I can already hear the people go, wait, worse than Crystal Skull? Yes. Yes. Worse than Crystal <laughs> Skull. And here's the here, here it is, folks. Like, I, first of all, if you're if you're in your car or listening to this on your walk or wherever you might be and you're like, oh, my God, it, it, no, they're wrong. I first invite you before you settle into that opinion, go back and rewatch Temple of Doom and just and, and or maybe even make a weekend of it. Like watch watch. um, uh, What was the first one? Jesus Christ. Um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Temple of Doom. Last Crusade. I think it's pretty much understood. Last Crusade is the best one. Although if you are nostalgic for Raiders of the Lost Ark, fine. But those two movies are, are wonderful. But sandwiched in the middle of that is this is this turd, this flaming turd called Temple of Doom. And yeah. I just. I, I mean, I remember even as a kid watching that one and just being like, this isn't the same. What is this? And it just so it always held this allure to me um, as I always thought this is the is secretly the best one because um, it was the middle one in the trilogy. And I wow. saw it sort of like even though I didn't think in these terms as a child, I, I saw it in that uh, Star Wars template yeah. of like, oh, yeah, it's the badass one in the middle, you know. Yeah. And then the Sean Connery one's kind of like funny, you know, like the, it's like that he, he's the Ewok of uh, last crusade. Oh, um, that's a discussion <laughs> for a different day, my friend. I, <laughs> but I have struggled through temple of doom so many times as an adult, because as a child, this is the other problem. I was not allowed to see it because it was, um, I know there's some debate on what the first PG 13 movie was, but it was at least one of the first because of the pulling the heart out of the body scene. I would say so, it's, it's PG-13 because of the the uh, the animal uh, buffet that they had, which is like, oh yeah, that's pretty gross too. Oh, that's what but, always got me as a kid. I couldn't. I had to, it took oh, yeah, me a while before I made it past that scene to even just see the rest of the movie because I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Here? So so as a kid, I always thought like, oh, it's so gross and it's like violent. And there's blood and like it has to be the coolest. And then I've tried so many times as an adult to watch it and appreciate it. You know, yeah. ha having come to it so many years after seeing all the other movies in the franchise. 
And this week, I watched all of them, um, including Crystal Skull, which okay. I enjoyed again. <laughs> um, already on that one, but okay. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, 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 anyway, I texted you in the middle of this, where you said you said hey if you you said to our listeners hey if you if you before you react go rewatch it i would yes. say you don't even have to rewatch it because you might just make it about an hour in which is all i can do yeah, yeah i got i literally got to like the cool part where the thuggy are like performing their ceremony and i was like nah i can't watch this anymore because i'd already because then it, it cuts from that violent thing to kate capshaw being such a dipshit oh my god and she I was is like, the I, worst yeah worst so i texted you the entire franchise and you fire that right back at me you're like yeah, yeah. it's 100 percent because of kate capshaw and i'm sorry kate capshaw but jesus christ willie scott yeah. is the most useless character in all of indiana jones lore and it's not her acting it's the no. character as yeah. written like yeah, it's, no, you're right. Thank you. Yeah. That's a good distinction to make. Cause that, right, that right. Script, it's not like we dislike her. It's like, I, I, you can only assume like, I mean, well, we, these are things that are scripted. Yes. Like, but here's, here's so the thing goofy. you had Karen Allen's Marion, which was introduced in Raiders of the Lost Ark had agency. She was cool. Yeah. You're like, you can almost imagine her going off and having her own sort of Indiana Jones, like Peggy Carter style adventures. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what a great matchup. And then she comes back in Crystal Skull, which is one of the reasons I would argue Crystal Skull is better than Temple of Doom, by the way. But yeah. you have this wonderful, strong, amazing female character in Karen Allen. And then the very next movie, you write the most pathetic, whimpering, like whiny, just like everything about Willie Scott is annoying. Every She was like designed to just, you like you were rooting for her death like 20 minutes after, after meeting her. And it's like, oh God. And then on top well, of that, one of the things I'll mention... We are introduced, and I love, uh, and I'm not, I'm going to butcher his name, but Kei Hu Kwan, who plays Short Round. He plays um, yeah. Data in the Goonies. You know him. Um, but, like, we're introduced to this kid. Like, he's been there the whole time. Like, he's just Indiana Jones' like, little, like, sidekick. It's like, wait, where did he even come from? Like, they, And they explain it a little bit, but they just sort of drop you into this relationship with this kid. And you're sort of expected just to kind of go along with it. And I, I really, I was like, eh. We should yeah. build up to this. Some, we, I want to like see how he meets this kid, like something else. Like it just, it was a little off-putting. So just, but Willie Scott was the the big offender. I agree. I that's that's all I have to say about it. I'm aware that it's a prequel. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't fix it. Like it's that that tone difference between her and yeah, Karen. You know, Karen Allen's character is so. Uh, it's just so Karen Allen is too charismatic. That maybe that's the problem is that Karen Allen was so charismatic that you're just like you just yeah. wanted her back, and then when she wasn't, you're like, oh, all right. Hey, by the way, it's worth noting. Um, later on, Kate Capshaw appeared with Sean Connery in the movie Just Cause from 1995. So oh. there's a little makes you think of like, well, what could have been? And you're right, Kate Capshaw. I, I just want to reiterate, she was a great actress, but yeah. that character did not do her any justice at all. Right, right. Yeah, the, it is a good acting job of a terrible terrible character it, it's yeah. like you meet that character and you think i i did it again this week i was like all oh, right but when did they get rid of her because i kept thinking like oh yeah yeah she's in it for like 10 minutes and then she comes back later and it's like no they just keep like deeper and deeper and you're like what is where why is she still here you know oh it's it's too much my other the other uh topic of conversation i had for you <laughs> um was that uh we're still living in this pandemic. Um, reopenings are 
predictably resulting in more infections and we're, you know, stuck with a, a president who doesn't wear a mask and all this kind of stuff. And for the past couple of weeks, I have been viewing this through the lens of Game of Thrones and thinking for eight years, I was, you know, I, I, well, I, I shouldn't even say it was that long. At the beginning, in those first couple seasons, I thought, and we talked about on our podcast, um, how the the tension was, we know a natural disaster is coming. Uh-huh. And these stupid kings and queens are still bitching about who should be in charge. Oh, my God. Yes. And I have been looking for the past two weeks at, like, this is what is happening. The yep. coronavirus is the White Walkers. <laughs> it's bearing down on us. And the Republicans are this. the fucking Lannisters <laughs> trying to, like, tell the people it's okay. And, like, no, 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 it's still cool to go outside. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's snowing for some reason in the middle of the uh, summer, but don't worry about it. And, like, I, that that has just obsessed me um, when, I, when I see news, you know? It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, another Lannister is opening his state too early. Okay. Does that make, so. does that make Bernie the Ned Stark of this whole thing? Like... <laughs> 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 yeah, the one that was like screaming about the White Walkers. Well, uh, you know what? Uh, maybe it's Bill Gates. Bill Gates is the oh, one that, like, yeah. on day one of the Trump presidency, was like, "You need to plan for a pandemic." You know, um, Bill Gates then, was the uh, what? What's the name of the um, the main guy? Uh, oh God, who's who uh, was at uh, of the of the Night's Watch? I've lost all my Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. The Night's um, Watch. He was the original like he, like headsman Mormon. of the Night's Watch. Yeah, the more the elder Mormont. I think yeah. that's Bill Gates, where it's like, look, I, because, yeah. you know, Ned Ned was like purposely done away with so that he wouldn't bitch about right, stuff right, right. anymore. Yeah, you know, it's like I almost, there's some similarities to Bernie. True, there, but the guy like, who tried to play the game. And yeah, then... <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> Got betrayed. <laughs> Does that mean then that like, oh man, we could go we could go deep with this. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a list of all the sort of comparisons and I'll get back to you and we can talk about it in another episode. Oh my God. No, you're, that's exactly what I've been doing. I, um, and not to, we don't need to, uh, tarry on that point anymore. People can think of that themselves. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I did want to, we have talked about like how we're, you know, in other episodes, like what we're doing and, uh, what we're binging, how we're doing stuff. And, and I, I wanted to follow up on something we said a few episodes ago about podcasts. And I, I know we talked about podcasting. I don't remember how much we got into on on our podcast about podcasts we were listening to. And you and I always talk about like which app we're, we're favoring, how we're doing it. And uh, a couple things happened in the last couple of weeks. One was you pointed me to this site that's um, partially uh, run and curated by David Byrne um, mm-hmm. called Reasons to be Cheerful. And told me, you're like, hey, just don't even read any more news. <laughs> uh, just subscribe to this, you know, mm-hmm. and it'll put you in a better headspace, um, which I did. You know, I, I deleted a bunch. Of, I didn't delete the apps off my phone. I just took them off the dashboard or, yeah. the, you know, yeah. home screen. So it's like I'm not tempted to just tap on the news first thing in the morning. Um, and I can't say, I mean, I enjoy that newsletter. Uh, it's still a newsletter, which I'm I'm not a big fan of newsletters. Uh but, it, you know, it doesn't summarize news. It just gives you good, good stories. Um, mm-hmm. But in conjunction with that, I did sit down with one of my uh, with Stitcher, which is my main podcast app and unsubscribed from, I don't know, more than 100 podcasts or something. You were subscribed like, to 100 podcasts. It's oh like God. that. It's that digital clutter thing. Yeah. And because on Stitcher, you can create 
uh, playlists mm-hmm. or I think they call them stations or channels yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. So I would have a station that was like, um, uh, you know, comedy, science, uh, uh, Trump fiasco, things like that. And then within that, you know, I would or I would subscribe to things. I would subscribe to a series of podcasts that I wasn't listening to. It's just like a bookmark, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I had a way to sort those bookmarks and it just, it just felt like that, that clutter that was just yeah. in the back of my head. Every time I open the podcast app, I'm like, well, here's a hundred things I'm not going to listen to today. So you know, this is I good. Just, this, yeah. I just did away with it. This is good because the, something we don't talk about enough is a digital bankruptcy and just declaring it. And like exactly. there's, I do this with my Netflix, Netflix, ugh, Netflix queue uh, quite a bit. And then yeah. I just I have so many lists of things like and I need to probably do it to my Amazon book list because it has now it's up to, I think, 55. And I'm like, I would have to stop. And we talked about this earlier in the year, but like I would have to stop consuming anything new for like seven years to yeah. just catch up on all the stuff on my list and the anxiety that that creates. And also just sort of the the stress of like, well, then I won't have anything new because you want to leave yourself open to just new things that just coincidentally hit you because that's yeah. half the fun. Right. But it's like you almost have to just declare a bankruptcy and just start over. Um, yeah. just, you're not worried about these things. And it's it, the problem is there's too much good content and there's yeah. very few filters or sort of curation tools. One of the things I hope we are is, is a bit of a curation tool for, for this purpose, but like, it's just, it's just so hard to yeah. keep it, you know, to prioritize. And then it's like, I mean, you could just, your entire job every day could just be consuming content and then you'd still not finish. You'd just find more. Yeah, Netflix is I, the worst though, because Netflix has their their own stuff just gets better and better along with the stuff that you know they were licensing that you do want to watch. It's funny you bring them up because I don't their their queue actually doesn't bother me as much. Um, I don't feel like it's clutter, but the Amazon book thing I totally identify with because there was a time when I had like you know public book list, private book list, you know, like just general shopping list. And, and where I went through and was like, you know, I'm, I'm not even reading the books I have on my Kindle. It, it, I could read what's on my Kindle for the rest of my life, like, and not be done with them. Yeah. So I, I've, I'm delete, you know, uh, I, I think I've done that where I've declared bankruptcy, deleted the whole list and then started over. And there's, there's mm-hmm. now a fair amount of books, but it's not a dedicated, like, here's a hundred books list. Um, it doesn't feel like work. <laughs> yeah. Like you're uh, back in college and like, here's your assigned reading for the next two months. You're like, Oh my God, I'm not going to get I'm, anything done. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just it lingers over you. Right. And maybe Netflix doesn't do that to me because, um, uh, because you generally my, generally I try to be subscribed only two services a, at a time. So when, you know, game of Thrones was on or curb your enthusiasm, I would, uh, subscribe to HBO, watch the season, then unsubscribe and resubscribe then to Netflix, you know? So Netflix, I was turning on and off. (laughs) So I needed the cue to just sort of stay there with me. But, um, well, what are we reading today, sir? Oh, well, we have, uh, we've been excited for the return of these two comics. Um, the first one we'll start with is, uh, Mirka Andolfo's Mercy is published on image um we talked about it long ago when issue one was out it is a six issue limited series um i just discovered in reading issue two that that uh she has sort of designed it to be two arcs Mm, and so it's like a short three issue arc and then i guess you know another three issue arc um mirka andolfo uh, is the writer and illustrator and colorist and her colors are amazing 
um, and was the same for a book called Unnatural that I talked about a while ago. Um, and did she on Unnatural? Did she do all the same? Did she did everything herself too? I, the only one I'm not sure of is the the coloring, but I think so. Okay. I, I mean, I think it was the same creator setup. I'm seeing with image. I'm seeing writer artist uh, as her for both too. So she's that's incredibly. I mean. It takes a long time to write these things. It takes even longer to draw them. So yeah. it's it's always impressive to me when somebody just handles both. And especially on a series where it's like, you, you know, they've committed to a release schedule. It's like, hey, June, July, August, September. And sometimes those are, are created, you know, well before. But still, like just the pressure of that is is pretty impressive to, to see. Yeah. And she did the same. There's another series which um, was publishing at basically the same time as this. Like it's. Um, I'm not sure how their schedule got affected, but it was, I think it's called unsacred. I only have okay. the first two issues of that. And, uh, to be honest, they're sitting in the to be red pile. Um, so I, I got thoughts. <laughs> now are we talking journey. about, are we talking about just issue three or are you going to kind of recap us up to, up to oh, this point? just two, actually. just two. Well, I'll, Cause I'll, three I'll just up. came out Wait, on June 24th, uh, supposedly. Mercy did. Yeah. Well, crap. I didn't, I'm behind already. Well, that's all um, right. Just want to make sure we're, we're, everybody knows where, where we're yeah, at here. Yeah, I'm only going to talk about two. Okay. Uh, um, interesting. Okay. Unless the so, website of image is wrong, which it sometimes is. Yeah, I'm curious uh, uh, um, if you could, while I'm rambling, uh, uh, verify that on Comixology. Yep. If it's uh, a, um, because I wonder if this is another case of like they were hoping to get it to the newsstands uh, on this date. The, uh, both titles we'll talk about today, this and uh, Jonathan Hickman's Decorum you know, the first issue came out literally like the week of the pandemic lockdown starting. So our the publication was delayed like crazy until they could get physical issues shipped because yep. obviously they'd already made them. Um, <clears throat> so I when we talked about this before, i'm I'm fairly certain one of the things I talked about was it is interest, you know, this it, it's an interesting um, uh, advantage that writer artists have when they're doing the art because they can they can sort of you know they they know how to use the art and the language to to move the story you know i mm -hmm. i i believe mike i commented on like it's you know sort of cinematic in the way they frame shots or the way mirka you know frames shots and you know it, it but i also think that what <laughs> in that original review um i of issue one i talked about how it, it felt like there were a lot of, um, I'm not sure I used this exact term, but a lot of like little scenes that were staged that we were sort of jumping from scene to scene and you're, you're not really sure how to like sort it all out. Mm -hmm. And it's very strange because that was definitely the impression I had on reading issue number one. I felt like, I don't know how any of this, you know, fits together, but there's this, um, you know, there's this one woman in town who is, uh, uh, Lady Swanson, who's very haunted by these events in the past that we're really unsure of. Um, and then there's this new arrival in town, Lady Helene. And she seemed, you know, she there's something mysterious about her. And it's very like gothic Victorian kind of thing. And um, didn't know what to make of it. And when I got issue two, going back to issue one to refresh my memory, I ended up rereading almost all of it. Um, and when I did... It was like I got it. Oh. And that's a really strange thing to say. Um, because if that's a, you know, it's one of those things where it's like trying to figure out the intention of the author. And mm -hmm. if that 
like if that's the intention, that's that's one thing. And I, I mean, we should probably applaud that and go like, wow, what great planning or whatever. But it's just hard to imagine that was really the <laughs> the vision, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think and this sounds bad, but I, I think it's more likely like a, a case of the creator knew where the story was going to go and didn't really like line up the narrative to explain that. And so slight spoilers ahead, but I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I don't know how this story ends up in the end. So I, I can't spoil that much. Um, we realize, you know, there, there are, you realize in reading the first issue that lady Helene is responsible for at least one weird death. And you can tie that death back to these events that you see lady Swanson's husband and and others suffering. So you sort of know, like she's the key and her coming to this town is like, that's a big deal. But, um, I, I, so I, I, I'm, I guess I'm, I guess I'm dancing around here is that I, to me, this is one of the the detriments of being the artist and writer is Mm. because I think she's coming to it maybe from the art first approach. Okay. And so I can imagine that, and so I'm glad that they they wrap this up. You know, the sort of afterward is, you know, tune in next issue for the f- wrap up of the first arc. Because if you want to join, if you want to jump in, um, read those first three together. Because I think that'll sort of give you like a holistic picture of whether you like it or not. If you okay. just grab issue one, I think you're going to be just lost. Like you're not going to really know. You know, I was in it because I already liked her art. I already liked Unnatural. I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm buying in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it does seem to me like it's, you know, I'm, I'm struggling not to criticize it too heavily, but I, I do think it, the story is suffering a little bit because it's maybe coming from that artistic first approach rather than a story first approach or a perfectly melded one, you know, and not to, uh, you know, diss on someone else, but I, I, I had that a very similar, um, uh, impression of I hate fairyland, which was a title that Scotty young wrote and illustrated. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like the story there was disjointed. I just felt like, Ooh, I don't know that I like his writing as much as I like his art, you know? Oh, interesting. And, which is really interesting because he wrote middle West, but did yeah. not, uh, design it. So it's a, you almost get like, which is crazy. Cause like his art, he's a great artist. So it's just interesting yeah. that he let somebody else, um, fill in for him on that. And the artist from middle West, is the artist uh, on decorum? No, I think, or one of no, them. No, 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 no. Um, I think the artist. I, I think that guy. Else, so. <laughs> I think that guy either did like a, a limited cover or something. But no, no, it's a different, different. Okay. Guy. Well, it's a uh, we. Um, I, yeah, I. You know. We we you and I try very hard not to. We're not trying. We don't ever bring up comics, um, that we dislike and want to just like bash them. So please don't take it as like I'm bashing Mercy. I just, um, I really like America Andolfo's art. Um, and this is a very intriguing story. Um, it feels very much like, it, and and I think they can do this. She can do this in six issues. No problem. Like a horror movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I, I, I'm probably overreacting cause I'm only judging two issues and it seems to me like, Ooh, we, you know, the intro could have been, uh, uh, a little bit more straightforward, which is a weird thing to me. And I, I don't know how other people feel about that. You can tell me how you feel. Like sometimes I feel like 
people are trying too hard to make things mysterious. Mm. And if the story itself is is weird and magical and mysterious, you can just tell those events in a very plain spoken way. Mm-hmm. And it then it becomes like, oh, I, I get it. You know, like I like I'm in, you know, like you could have just told me like in like I mean, there could have been narrative, you know, 20 mm-hmm. years ago, this, you know, so many people of this town were affected by this and this is what happened to them. And um, then when you see Lady Helene leave this body in the snow with the same weird sort of these flower outgrowth, like zombie plant sort of things that grow in these bodies that she kills, I think you would have been like, oh, shit, she's coming to town. That's a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, you're just you're patching together all these scenes and vignettes and you're going like, well, I don't. How are these people connected? What do we know of her? What you know? So that's where I was left. And, um, you know, I, that's uh, I'm, I'm I'm happier with the conclusion of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's uh, and her art is just lovely. And and the colors are fantastic. Uh, but I find myself like, you know, went back to unnatural feeling like, did I have that same, um, you know, impression of it and which I didn't like, I I went back and read a whole bunch of volume one and two of that, um, in, in preparation for our podcast today. And, and I, I felt like, no, this story kind of, you know, it all unfolded in the way like I, I could follow, you know, and it's, it it was also weird because it's a, it's a totally different society sort of world building thing. Um, I, I just, I think in that first issue of Mercy, she's holding too much back to, you know, trying trying to play it too close to the vest or something. So interesting. Yeah, interesting. I'm I'm curious if you if you change your mind after reading issue three. Yeah, uh, which I I definitely will do. And did you verify is it on Comicsology? It is on Comicsology. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I, you know, this is a another problem of us. We prepped the show <laughs> several weeks ago. We we knew we were going to do it several weeks ago, and I went, great, I'll get issue two. Um, yeah, no, and, well, and it just came out this last Wednesday, and right, so it's, and you know, it's no up. fault of your own. I mean, it's and, and and I'd rather you focus on just one kind of issue because I'm going to do the same. Yeah. Um, but do you think? I mean, are you going to continue on through the rest of it? Or are you going to commit to the, the the six, or are you sort of, you know, kind of optimistically waiting? Well, I um, it's weird because I think all the stuff that I've really enjoyed from Unnatural, um, uh, aside from her art, was Unnatural had this really totally weird story of it's a it's a world that's inhabited by these anthropomorphic animals um who are banned from interspecies relationships and on top of that there's this weird government program that says if you reach age 25 or something like that and you don't have a partner the government will find a partner for you like they forcibly (laughs) subscribe you to a dating app to find someone in your species to procreate Mm -hmm. with so it had all these weird little, you know, like directions to go. Like it has this, you know, this big brother theme um, and also these like sexual mores kind of thing. And then it's this really playful, like pinup sort of style art of these anthropomorphic animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was so bonkers that I, I enjoyed so much of it. And Mercy is, it's Victorian Gothic and it's, it's, that's an interesting genre, but like when it comes to, you know, blood and guts and spooky shit like that. I don't necessarily care for that. That's not, this is like, this is, I mean, the <laughs> parallels to music and bands is so, is so apropos here, I think, because it's like, it's like, you know, the, the debut album from this artist you loved. And then it's like, Oh man, their follow up isn't as good. And it doesn't mean it's, I shouldn't say isn't as good. It doesn't, doesn't hit me the same way that that first one did. Like that happens more often than not in music. So it's, 
we just kind of yeah. need to kind of, I think we need to, you and I both need to remind ourselves from time to time that comics is just like music, a very creative medium. And the people, especially with indie and creator owned work, like they're, they're, they're chasing a muse, right? They're chasing, yeah. they're kind of, you know, whatever they're taking into their life at any particular time often gets regurgitated in their work. And who knows what she's thinking about right now, what she's sort of obsessed with or what she's working on. It's, you know, I've had, I've had similar, you know, Hickman's Hickman's no different. We'll talk about him in a second, but like, um, I've had, I've had, you know, books that I'm like, oh, I love it. And then you're just you're eagerly awaiting the next one. You're like, Oh, I don't love it as much. Hmm. And then maybe later on you'll love it more. It's just, it, yeah. sometimes it's well, as much about where their headspace is as where yours is when you read it. And I love that you bring up uh, the parallel to music and bands because it, it is like that. And I, I don't feel like, Oh, well I'm, you know, I only liked her first record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, a little inaccurate because she had a, she has a ton of other work. Um, but, uh, I do feel like, well, first of all, you know, like kudos to her for doing something radically different than she'd done before. Yeah, totally. Um, or at least something I was unfamiliar with. Uh, I know she's done a couple of like fantasy titles where she was the artist, um, and she's done a lot of superhero work. I think she did some bombshell stuff for DC. Okay. So, you know, she's got a really wide uh, repertoire. And um, so I like maybe Mercy doesn't hit me as much as Unnatural or Unsacred. But like, hey, it doesn't mean I won't check out the next thing. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. you know, I, I like this creator's work enough that, you know, I'm I'm a fan. So I'm not. It doesn't turn me off. I've just, I guess that's what it is, is I've just been struggling with like, Ooh, this isn't hitting me like unnatural did. So what, mm -hmm. you know, what's the deal? Um, so yeah, uh, we had another book to talk about. So you have not read, um, unnatural, but I have read decorum. Oh, you have um, good. Okay. By Jonathan Hickman. So first question. Yeah, we're, uh, it is, you know, it's sort of like just throw a rock at the panelism episodes and you will probably find a mention of Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. Um, you are a huge fan. So I, I love the segue into that because, um, I'm, I'm sort of the guy that maybe like listens to him on the radio or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, upvote some of their songs, but I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm a fan of this band. <laughs> oh, interesting. Interesting. And and well, I think Decorum might, it's funny because the way you talked about it last time, I had not read issue one when you talked about it. Uh -huh. I've now read both. So, okay. um, uh, I, where, where do you want to start on? Do we just want to jump into two? <laughs> well, we'll jump into two, but here's some, some fr little, little context. First of all, um, this is the most Hickman-y Hickman book that you're ever going to find. <laughs> and kind of going back to the the music comparison, this is almost literally his greatest hits. Like it's it solidifies my belief that this that this was intentionally meant to sort of touch every single thing he's been interested in throughout his whole career. Um, and this is also Agreed. a book that has, has made me um, truly excited for comics again. Like not that I wasn't, but I I kind of compare everything to that uh, spring and summer of 2015 where like every single thing image was putting out was just amazing. It was, you know, um, books that I've talked about on the show, some of, I, you know, some I haven't, but like every time, every week was like, pang, here's another home run hit. And then, um, I just, I, on top of that, just discovered a lot of other stuff, you know, even, even outside just the week to week. So 2015 was like a banner year for me in comics. And I've always been chasing that. And decorum has kind of put me back in that mindset. There's, Quick shout out, by the way, for another book on uh, Boom called Wind W I uh, sorry W Y N D, 
Um, issue one came out of that as well. I got both of these decorum number two and win number one in the same, same day. And booms, I mean, I've, I've been throwing uh, praise at boom for a while now too, but boom is really stepping up and, and, and almost like they're truly becoming another image. Like I've been very happy with what oh, they're yeah. doing too. So, um, decorum number two comes out and it's, it, you know, the first one very, you know, it, like many Hickman books, it, it kind of takes a little while to kind of understand and get into and, and this is probably the most abstract work that he's ever done. Um, real quick, though, words by Jonathan Hickman. Art, uh, really want to shout out Mike Huddleston on the art because, oh, my God, we'll, we'll talk about that in more in just a minute. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to Russ Wooten on letters, Sasha E. Head on design, and, of course, published by Image. And I would also recommend the physical copy. I think Guided, uh, guided View would probably ruin the experience. Uh, for a number of reasons, I'll get into those as well in just a second. But I, you know, if you liked on Guided View, fine. I don't disagree with that, and I and I read it purely on Guided View. So did you? Okay. You have picked up both physical issues. Yes, um, because this is going to be a collector's item, I think for sure. But I just it, the way it's structured, uh, it it is meant to lean in heavily into what. Um, you know, a twofold page you know, and turning of the page and sort of like what you take in as you're looking at a page, as you're looking at a panel, like you kind of need all of that context to really sort of understand what he's doing. Um, it really, it, this book synthesizes the elements that appeared through his entire career. And actually I made a little list just to kind of, uh, to kind of account for all this. And you know, I was like, man, how much does this dip into? And it's quite a bit. It's got big overarching ideas uh, and it, it's less about the on the ground story and it's more about the big idea, which most of his books do. The, it has graphic design as a storytelling device, which oh, sure. news does Pax Romana does his recent X-Men run does, um, you know, with the infographic elements and just sort of like giving you that extra context. Um, he's got a macro and a micro story going on, which damn near all his books have. Um, there's an AB story going on. So kind of like the recent X-Men series, you're, you're not sure if they're in the same time or different times or how they relate to each other. He's got pages of full text, which just has no illustration, which, uh, was used to great effect, I think in PAX Romana, but then also Black Monday Murders does that from time to time. He's got gunslingers and Western justice, just like East to West. Uh, there's plenty of conspiracy, which all his books touch on in some way, shape or form. So that's present. Uh, he's really loving this universal extra dimensional being sort of motif, which X-Men played with uh, the, you know, his recent X-Men run played with really well. And I'll even give a little shout out to Red Mask for Mars, which is that book that I constantly <laughs> throw shade on. But you know what? He, he, he started doing it there too. Um, he's got manipulation, manipulation of events and humanity um, by playing the long game, which Pax Romana does nightly news does and new Avengers does um, as well. And it's got the this sort of this idea of remembered consciousness through repeat timelines, which X-Men did too. So it's like he's he's really this. I mean, if you like Hickman, this is the greatest hits of Hickman. I mean, in terms right. of the themes and the way he, you know, all the things that that were unique about his his work, you know, his work um, since the, you know since the Nightly News, which is his first his first book. Um, it's all here. It's kind of interesting, and I don't know if that was intentional, or if just a happy accident, or if that was just where his mind was just you know, kind of going back to all the things that he's, that he's done that he likes. Either way, it, it works well. The only thing, and this is interesting, the only thing that is missing, um, notably missing, is his white character. That uh, I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think that this, is? <laughs> I've mentioned this before. He has, in most of his books, he has a white a character that appears in white. They, they dress in white. They're often albino. Um, 
and that and that white character I, I argue is kind of his dark tower. It's kind of like a unifying field theory of, of all the Hickman stuff. And whether or not he pays that off, it doesn't really matter. It'd be kind of interesting if he does. I'd like to think that he's got a plan and eventually towards the end of his career, we'll have a, a series or a book that just all those white characters will kind of bleed together into one sort of central idea, but it's missing so far. We're only into two, but it's missing in decorum. And if it pops up, I'm going to be paying very close attention to how and why and where. So you don't um, think it's Cairo, Cairo, Kai? <laughs> no, it, it, definitely not. No, no, no. Okay. that's no, because he's Cairo, Cairo, Kai is is like an obsidian sort of robotic. True. Sort of golem. I'm just and, wondering if like when when it is born or whatever. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, that's so. Yeah, there's there's this. <laughs> not without, to spoil I mean, anything. <laughs> well, not, I mean, it's very hard to spoil this book. Number one, yeah, because I it's know. Yeah. So multi-layered and and there's like whisper. I mean, it reminds me interestingly reminds me of a lot of dune where the first mm. half of dune is is like insinuations and rumors and whispers and you don't quite really know like they don't really hold your hand through the politics and the relationships and you just right. kind of have to glean kind of similar here where you're just like i not even sure who the bad guys are yet and not that there even has to be a, a antagonist protagonist kind of thing i'm almost imagining he's not this is very non-conventional he's he's dealing with some very high-level philosophical kinds of things here. And so I'm... Now, I'm oh, go ahead. Do we know uh, is if this is a limited series or if there's an end in sight kind of thing? Do we do we have any information on that? The frustrating thing, we do not. Um, yeah. I mean, we they have it planned up to uh, six? Yes, okay. no, five. Um, five, which will come out in September uh, if the schedule stays intact. Um, so it, you know, I could see it going either way. I could see it just being wrapped up in five or six, but he's, he's so subtle in some of these stories that I'm just like, man, I, this should probably be 10 at least if he's going to you know get the most bang for his buck. Um, issue two definitely clarifies issue one, um, which issue one was, you weren't, I mean, it was very much a slow introduction to this, whatever's going on story-wise. And then issue two repeats some of those elements. So you're not totally lost. Um, and adds even more context, more layers. So you're starting to the, the picture's kind of starting to come into focus about you know kind of what's going on. There's there's the the A story is is this um is this uh, well it's hard to tell what the A story is, but yeah, one of the I was gonna say because <laughs> they're both sort of equal in terms of their their relevance. One of the stories is this ongoing concern of these higher dimensional beings. Maybe they're AI, maybe they're hybrid. I it's hard to say, and they're trying to do something that. Um, you know, very universal. Like they, you know, you, you get the sense that they've been playing this game amongst themselves for you know hundreds of thousands of years, and they've done this many times, and they've either failed or succeeded, and they have the memory of those failures or succession. So he's playing with this kind of like very high level. It remind, there's a lot of that X-Men run that kind of fits into that idea. Um, you know, it's, when you when you expand humanity out and you know evolution carries forward, like what do you end up with? And then the the other story is this. Um, is this, I think she's, I don't know what she is. She might be an assassin. She might be anything. Um, but uh, Mrs. Morley, uh, who we met very briefly in issue one, and she wasn't even like the main character of issue one. Um, that was another another uh, female character. So Mrs. Morley gets much more screen time this time. And yeah. she's kind of the other story. And so you don't quite know if, if these are related, if they're, if they're, you know, if one's a sort of metaphor for the other, uh, it's hard to say. Well, one of the one of the thrills of the Hickman of uh, you know world is that you, you, he does not hold your hand, and it's like the the sort of the thrill of the discovery is is part of the appeal to me. 
Um, go and ahead. Sorry. I, 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 you probably picked up on this, but it, when we, when we talked about decorum and we only had issue one to go off of the title page of it says decorum and the womanly art of assassination. Yeah. So I really did, you know, I, I kind of ended up focusing on Morley because of that in the first issue and thinking, okay, here's, here's our protagonist or our lead character that we will follow through, you know, wh whether she's the protagonist or the antagonist, who knows, but, um, then the second issue in that same title place says decorum and the machinic love of religion. Yeah. Uh, which I, I had to look up machinic to uh, <laughs> verify that was an actual word, which means related to machines. Um, but uh, which is funny because I did not see that when I read the issue. So I went into it like thinking, okay, this is all a story about, the decorum of this assassin because one of the long scenes we see in issue two is her having this very polite um <laughs> discreet conversation with some gentleman where her husband she, i think I mean, she doesn't really give the details of the assassination you know mm -hmm. but talks about did we do a good job or did we do good or was good not done today or something like that um the interesting thing about that scene um is <laughs> Hold hold that thought because I want to get back to that because I want to talk yeah. real quick about the art because Mike Huddleston is, man, just like issue one, his art is wonderfully diverse. Um, yeah. I think he shifts styles at least four times in this issue. And by when yeah. I mean styles, I mean the aesthetic, the style, the illustration, everything about it shifts entirely. Um, oh, yeah. you know, it, it goes from like you know very kind of crude, um, very appropriate, but very kind of crude, hand sketchy kind of. Um, you know, very surrealist art to something that's almost like a really beautiful charcoal, like drawing, you know, like, uh, almost yeah. like Victorian kind of drawing to something that's very digital and like, uh, you know, very mono, you know, mono, monotone, monochrome. And then it just bounces back and forth and interspliced through all that are these wonderful kind of classic Hickman graphic design elements, which, um, I'm assuming Sasha E head, uh, put together, uh, um, uh, too so it just it, it it's it's wonderfully sort of framed in those you know there's chapter breaks and everything but mike huddleston you can just tell is just loving the you know, oh, being yeah. able to do anything like you can just you see like oh my god i get to do this and this and it's this is clearly not a boring book for him um one thing that's interesting is just like issue one he keeps paying homage to chris foss's designs from joe dorowski's dune um there's a Ooh. subtle reference in book one that i mentioned last time actually more than subtle it very I mean, he basically like copied one of the ships from from Foss's Dune, and you can see a little of that pop up in the uh, first couple pages of this one too. I'm curious what that's about. If it's just a pure homage, or if that's sort of hinting at something. Like I don't know. Um, you know, the fact that this kind of feels like Dune in some ways. Maybe that maybe that's yeah. all. Again, this is Hickman's operating at such a level that I I really I want him to be ten ten moves ahead of me at every turn. Right. Like I, I do not want to get to the conclusion or, or beat him to the, you know, beat him to the punchline. Like I need to be, I need to, he needs to take me somewhere. I never thought we were going. I do want to mention too, you, you, you called out the, uh, the subline on issue one and this, this issue too, you know, like if you look at the sublines and if you look at the covers, they have nothing to do with the story. Yeah. Going on, especially <laughs> issue two. Like you've got this gunslinger and kind of a dinosaur and what looks like the dark tower from east to west. That does not, I mean, you see that environment and those sets, but like, that's not the story at all. Like that has nothing to do with the story and maybe it will. Uh, but just don't be, 
don't be fooled. And part of me wonders too, if this is like all subversion for, you know, on purpose, like, Hey, we're going to put this here and then you know, give you one expectation and totally subvert it. Um, you know, again, as the, as the series progresses and more sort of revealed, like I think we'll know, it'll be great to go back and reread all this knowing kind of where we end up. But to your point about the scene with Mr. Morley, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's the scene where Mrs. Morley comes in and it's drawn in that kind of that dreamy charcoal, beautiful yeah. panels, beautiful. Oh my God. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, to think that the same guy who did the first couple pages did this, I, Mike Huddleston's well, a goddamn genius i i totally agree and and uh as you were saying that about that i i went back to verify that it it goes from so that we meet this this weird uh religious figure that's kind of all we know called cairo cairo kai then we then there's sort of a um, who well, is, by the way, who is drawn to look like sort of a obsidian golem, like he's featureless, yeah, kind of like a you don't know if it's an android or alien or combination thereof. But, yeah, it's and it's just it's a great exp- uh, description. It's like in this industrial style, like it's just, yeah, it's very yeah. brutal and like sharp lines. And then uh, Cairo goes goes through something and it turns into like a traditional comic book style, like Ben Day dots, like CMYK yeah. colors. Then we get like this uh, graphic of the hierarchy of the the Church of the Singularity or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the only other hint we have about Ro Kai being the head of this this church or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, and then it just jumps into the House Morley thing, and you're it's because of the way that Huddleston changes those styles. It's like you, you realize just visually, like we've jumped worlds, you know, well, this is, we've this is not the reality or something. Or, but I mean, we could have jumped time. Like this could yeah, be a, a scene exactly. before book, you know, issue one, even like, we don't know. It could be a dream. Like it's hard to say. And then in that scene, Mr. Morley actually talks about a dream he had. So it's like, there's, there's mm. plenty to make you wonder what that's about. And then you don't even know, like, is Mr. Morley her husband? Is that like a code name? Is it her father? Like she calls him dear, but it's hard. I mean, he looks older, considerably older than her. So it's hard to tell, you know, what's actually going on. Right. And again, I don't think the, the, the details are not the point. The overarching kind of theme and the mood is the point. It's, it's like a really good indie film where it's just okay. more, it's more about aesthetics. It's more about you know, the vibe and the overarching idea. And I think Hickman has had enough experience doing big ideas and, 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 you know, paying them off that I'm totally willing to trust him. If this was a brand new work by a brand new creator, I would be a lot more hesitant. Um, it'd be interesting. It's, it's very, I mean, it's artistically satisfying for sure, but just my, you know, I don't know if I would stick with it if it was new, but knowing it's Hickman, it's like, oh, he's got a plan. He's going somewhere. It's just a matter of if he's going to be focused on this and, and get there sooner or if this is one of those books like Black Monday Murders where it'll just go on, you know, 10 years from now, we'll finally get to issue 11. It's like, oh, my God, like that's going to be the failure, I think. Uh, mm. The logistics will, will kill this book long before the, the story, well, the execution. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was not thinking of it in those terms, but that that uh, uh, helps focus thoughts I had on this. And it is uh, be, unlike mercy. <laughs> the, we, it, it's something about the tone of that first issue that you, even though you're not getting a, you know, this is a place where you don't need a plain narrative to just take you from, you know, a to B to C it's yes, it's thrown at you in vignettes and stuff, but you, you understand like this is going to be a vast world, you mm-hmm. know, that encompasses so much stuff that 
I, I think Hickman sets it up in that way in issue one where you go, oh, yeah, I'm not going to understand what's going on until later. Whereas yeah. I guess Mercy's set up more in like that that horror movie narrative of, you know, I, I feel like you have to have a little grounding so that you can end up being scared later. Um, but decorum is just so huge. So that has been my concern, what you just voiced, which is are you building a world and like all these mysteries in it, so many mysteries that will never like you'll never be able to realize that vision you know have you, yeah. have you set yourself up for letting us down but the other thing that occurs to me is in black science one of the frustrations i felt was in the first volume we get a great setup to the world and then in volume two other things go wrong and it's sort of yeah. like just like the theme of their dimensions another layer of the onion is peeled off and then in volume three another layers you know it's like things keep getting worse in different new crazy ways. Yeah. And it became exhausting to me after like six volumes of like, okay, where are we headed with this? You know, like I, I don't necessarily need to keep peeling this onion to realize, yeah. uh, you know, some um, people love it though. So the people who are really into black science, I've noticed that the peeling of the onion is yeah. the appeal. It's like, and, keep going, keep doing it. And there's such like compelling characters. I do want to go back and finish that series. But, um, but Hickman, I, found myself in issue two um, thinking, I, I remember in my experience reading issue one, I was like, oh my God, there is so much reading you have to do with a Hickman book. Like yeah. there's just pages where it's like, all of a sudden it's like a huge graphic chart. And uh, if you're, you know, if you're accustomed to reading panel by panel, especially in guided view and all of a sudden something like that hits you, my instinct is like just to punch the button and go to the next page, you know? Yeah. See, that's why um, guided view is not, I just don't think that's an appropriate format. Yeah. And my, I love guided view as you know, but like this, and I got that sent. I mean, I was going to collect the physicals anyway, just right. considering kind of what he was up to. But I just, once I got through issue one, I'm like, Oh, you really need that context. You need to be, and you need to sit with it for a while. This is not a, both one and two, are not books that you just you cruise through in 15, 20 minutes and you're done. Like you almost have to sit with this thing for like a yeah. day, two days and like go back and restudy parts. And, and you know, it, it feels kind of echoing going off your, your previous point of like the narrative and the, I mean, this is absolutely not a linear narrative and it's not even a traditional comic in that panel by panel sense. It's more like poetry and you know poetry and art. Like he's trying to, it's almost like a dream told via poetry through the comics medium. Like that's, it's much more kind of high esoteric sort of in that regard, at least for now. Now, if we get to issue three or four and he shifts hard into like a very straightforward linear kind of thing, I'm going to be really confused. Mm. Um, that's, then it's going to be like, well, what the hell is he doing? Like then it's going to be, but if he kind of maintains this cadence and, and allows Mike uh, Huddleston to just to kind of do Go whatever. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, that's truly the, the, the Hickman collaboration for an artist. I don't think we've mentioned this before. That collaboration is is so sought after because Hickman will let the artist do basically anything. Like Nick Dragata and and he on East to West, like the 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 pairing was, look, I'm gonna write this, but Dragata is as much a part of telling the story as I am, and they they basically co-authored it. Um, I would imagine a lot of what we're seeing is Mike Hullison going, wouldn't it be cool if, and Hickman yeah. going, okay, and then just trying to like work that in, and we'll see we'll see how fruitful that is. Yeah, I don't know that a collaboration like this survives if they don't do that because it is, you know, I, I because you've got to have the imagery that backs up the huge ideas and yeah. the imagery is going to inform the ideas because of that. And so, yeah, I would imagine it's it's very similar. Um, I I'll I, going back to your band metaphor. 
uh, and trying to tie this together for myself, this feels like I Hickman every once in a while writes a great single. Um, but then he's got a concept album and I yes. don't care about the concept. <laughs> this is a, and, this is the concept album of concept albums. Exactly. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. And it's like, you know, man, suburbs is kind of cool, but I don't need to buy the whole, uh, <laughs> whatever that rush album was. Oh yeah. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, um, so I, I, that was a weird, that was another weird experience I had, especially reading these two books in one week and, and struggling so much with mercy, uh, you know, the creator of whom I am a fan and trying to figure out what that dissonance is in my head. And then reading this and going like, man, Hickman, you've got so much going on and you're not winning me over. And it's hard to, it, it, I mean, it's hard for me personally, just to reckon with like, I've had a similar experience with nightly news and East of West and, um, Although I did, I really did enjoy Black Monday Murders. Um, but it's a, you know, I, I just, it, could you put my, you know, lay my cards down. I don't think I'm going to buy issue three. That's okay. <laughs> you know what? It's good. I'm glad that because, because it's easy to, to both be a Hickman like super fan and like run into other Hickman super fans. You kind of get insular in your sort of thinking. So it's good to have somebody who knows what they're talking about. Be like, you know, it's not really for me, which just, I mean, proves that all of this is, is purely subjective at the end of the day. And you can, you know, there's, there's objective quality, of course, but like, you know, somebody like him who didn't, I mean, he didn't resonate with you, especially on on this book. And that's, and, and again, it's like, I'm a Hickman super fan. So this, this for me is kind of like, Oh my God, he's doing it all. Yeah. Um, whereas you're like, what what is he doing? I don't don't get it. I have a weird qualification to that, which is I am so interested in the story of, um, uh, oh my God, I just, I already forgot the name, uh, of the assassin Mm -hmm. and the, the girl who's the courier in the first issue that, that when I was reading issue two, I was like, oh man, dude, what would it be like if you just told me a story, like straightforward story? If yeah. I didn't have to have like gods and magic and like different dimensions and shit involved, like just <laughs> tell me that assassination story because I, I was, I found myself like weirdly invested in that. Yeah. And, um, so it's not that I disliked any part of this. I just felt like, Ooh, this is like, I don't know that I'm going to get the, the narrative satisfaction out of it that I, that I'm looking for. So I don't know if that's a, a good impulse to have, you know, and you, you gotta, you gotta challenge yourself with some difficult art you know um yeah but at the same time if you like something i mean i think in his argument he'd be like look you can get those sto- those stories exist anywhere and exactly well done i'm not doing that here necess- maybe he is now, i mean again the biggest question mark is what's going to happen between now and september assuming they stay on schedule like three four five yeah. what are we gonna you know i think by three we'll know sort of where his focus is and i think yeah. i'm guessing it'll just be a continuation of this kind of cadence and but he may shift i mean yeah. The cover of issue three, and it may not have anything to do with the story, so who knows, but like the cover of issue three looks incredibly different. And so it's yeah. like he may shift shift gears entirely and tell a different <laughs> And issue two ends with this splash of issue three and says, things get weird. And I'm like, oh, they weren't. <laughs> um, you know, but you that That's you just saying point. that goes back to the uh, one of our themes that we have been touching on for five years. And the, you know, there's digital versus physical, and there's also uh, collected editions versus single issues. And you know what it is, is when, when this arc is done and they put out that first trade paperback, I will read it because I will want to know, okay, how did this arc that I started with wrap up? 
But yeah. that's when I'll make the decision. For me, issue two clarified, like, don't bother with the single issues. Yeah, Wait till the yeah. arc is done. Um, because to me, it's, I guess it's that, uh, the, the wondering if I'm going to be satisfied in the future, that's a hard investment to keep making. So what's fascinating about that is I have to go the complete, like I could, this would be excruciating having to read in a, in a trade paperback, like, cause there's so much, like I need, yeah. I need a month to let it kind of wash over me and be like, okay. And then, you know, come back again. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's again, I love that we are complete on different, different yeah points of view entirely on this that's good that's healthy you know if we were both like if you were like oh, i love it too just as much i'd be like well okay but it's like good art should challenge assumptions and create you know different points of view and like all of that I, that to me is the true success of this is that you oh, and yeah. i are already two issues in like well i don't know like we're discussing it you know in all these different contexts and levels and that's i think that's exactly what he wanted and there's no denying like hickman's like <laughs> inexhaustible <laughs> reservoir of like ideas and craziness, you know? Oh so, I mean, it is, it, it is one of those things where I, I recognize the genius of the album, but you know, I'm just kind of like, I right now I'm only like in the single. So like, uh, <laughs> let me know later. Um, oh dude, it's, it's a great comparison. Like I'm a big Bruce Hornsby fan and Bruce Hornsby has gotten so bored that he is doing like little like his latest album is literally math as music. And it's just like, I mean, and it's hmm. interesting, but Jesus, it's like, hi, man, Bruce, I may set this one out. Like I just, this is too, maybe, you know, maybe when I'm older, I'll, I'll appreciate it more. But right now I'm like, man, I just go back to your jazzy jam band blues stuff. Like that's, and he's done <laughs> that. that. Definitely, that's <laughs> that was not the surname I was expecting when you said I'm a big Bruce Oh. I was like waiting for any other Bruce Hornsby went sideways for me. Like, Hornsby is the man, wow. dude. Like he is a, he is a, I mean, that's, we'll get into him another time, but it's, like that, that album is, go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. I said that album was just like, that was a, I mean, that was a challenging album and it's like one that I'm not willing to revisit anytime soon. I'm just like, good, good luck, man. Good luck. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny. Cause as soon as you brought up the music metaphor and talking about mercy, and then thinking about decorum, I was thinking of, this is such a crazy reference, uh, but this, I don't even know how you classify them. I would have called them like progressive metal or something, but this band called Coheed and Cambria that they had this, like, I thought just burner of a song 13 years ago or whatever called a favor house Atlantic. And everyone would tell me like, Oh, but the album's so genius. It's this concept album. He's even got a comic book and these characters. And I was like, you know, tried to give it a shot. And I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> Just yeah. give me that one song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I, Hickman's a challenge and it's, it's interesting to, uh, to discuss him for sure. So I'm, I'm glad you're getting so much out of this because I do feel, I did know from the way you described it, uh, we talked about it on the podcast once before, and then I, I, you had read it. I picked it up afterwards and I, it was like, as soon as I was into it, I was like, Oh, I, Taylor loves the shit out of this. <laughs> I know like yeah, these are all yeah. the things you had talked about for other Hickman books yep. and I'm going like, Oh my God, it's all in there. The infographics <laughs> and the, like the cult hierarchies and then like the changing in art and everything. It was just, you know, what a Hickman fans like yeah. uh, perfect realization of something. So I'm glad you caught, I'm glad you, you, you realized that before we did this episode. Cause it's well, just like, it makes it me would have been view... bad if I was like, I hated it. I didn't like it at all. It's oh like, yeah. What? It, How does that it, it makes me view uh, Black Monday murders in a in a new way because it has a lot of the there's definitely 
a diff the uh, knowing what I know about East of West and nightly news and this, I feel like black Monday murders um, is sort of an outlier in art and, yeah. and yeah. graphic design there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it th- reading this makes me reconsider that, you know, like mm-hmm. I can see this of a piece with East and West and nightly news. Um, but it, it kind of makes me more curious about black Monday murders. So, which I have not read, you know, the next volume of, I need to jump on that. That's another one, man. He's that's now the last issue came out two years ago. And so it's like, I dude, that, that left on such a crazy cliffhanger and grant, and maybe he's just not, he's like, look, I don't have it in me right now. And I just did X-Men. So I'm going to do this, mm. get this out of my system. And then I'll be back. I mean, he's just like Robert Kirkman. Those two guys are way too busy for their own good. And maybe that's what keeps them, you know, firing on all eight cylinders is just having all these projects they can kind of bounce around from. But Hickman becomes, it becomes a little excruciating because he will literally go five years in between a, you know, a, a series you like before picking it back up again. It's just like, Oh dude, come on. Like I need, I need that resolution or I can't, I can't invest in the next one. So I'm hope I'm hoping to sum this up. I'm hoping this is a, a limited series that there'll be some, some sort of conclusion that, that at least makes sense in the context of the book. And we'll, we'll get there at the end of the year. Now, are there other, um, to, to tie this off, are there other new releases coming up that you are grabbing single issues of? Um, you know, wind, I'm going to stick around for decorum, obviously. And, uh, middle West just keeps delivering that series is just, I mean, I haven't talked enough about that. I'll probably make that a, a pick maybe on the next one. Yeah. I don't um, think we've done one on it. It's, uh, it's, it, it's because it's so delightful. Like I want to, I almost want it to end before I like talk about it. Cause it's just mm. this wonderful, like the 10 year old me would love middle West. And so, I mean, I love it now, but like, it would have been exactly the kind of thing I would have liked when I was 10, 11, 12, um, and just as accessible. So it's that, that's definitely on my radar. And there's some other, like, you know, I've, I've, I mentioned maybe in the last one, I kind of need to be careful. Like I, right before COVID, uh, picked up a lot of stuff at, uh, escape Velocity's second store closing. And so I've just got, oh, right. I'm sitting on just the big old TBR pile in addition to the stuff that I'm going to keep up on. So I'm going to probably keep it, keep it, uh, slim and, you know, at least for the rest of the year. So maybe those three are probably, unless something crops up, um, that I haven't been anticipating. I think when, you know, at least win for a little while decorum and then middle West are my, my big three. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good to know. I, I honestly don't have anything on my list. Um, so, uh, although I know next month, um, <laughs> the sequel to the Chew series, which is called Chew, it's just spelled differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one of Chew comes out next month. Um, so I, I'm curious about that. I think it's a different artist. Um, uh, but I haven't looked into it too much, but, um, it, it definitely is. I just verified. It's, it's John Lehman still writing, but a, a different artist. Um, yeah, but I, uh, I'm, I don't know. It gets, it's so weird to think of how the pandemic has changed my reading habits and collecting habits, and uh, that's, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just trying to be comfortable with it, lean into it, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's both good. It's good, and. The, you know, cause it slowed things down a little bit for us to catch up on, but it's like, I just, I, again, I'm just chasing 2015. You know, we can get back to that, that sort of <laughs> level of quality across the board. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, it, yeah. We definitely felt like too many series you were following got, you know, paused. So, yeah. That was depressing. Um, yeah. That was depressing. Well, you can find, uh, many other books and discussions like this one at, panelism.inc that's panelism.ink that's also our instagram feed and um we are everywhere so wherever you find podcasts spotify apple 
Google Play, all Stitcher, all of them. We're there. Subscribe, share. If you like this, tell your friends. Tell them about the podcast. Get them to subscribe too. That's how we keep rolling. And uh, anything else from you? No, but, that's it. Stay safe. Awesome. Wear the mask. Wear the mask. Wear the mask. <laughs>